Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. episode meh, four or five not sure of fruit loops podcast uh fruit loops is a uh podcast about true crimes perpetrated by uh people of color the ones that we don't hear about often because well the news is racist and uh we are wendy and beth she's wendy I'm mm-hmm. Beth. Mm-hmm. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. That's right. One thing I forgot to mention, trigger warning. This episode deals with familiacide and the murder of young children, so the content, discussions, and opinions may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Okay, so we are, uh, this is the second part of our clementine barnabet did i say that right clementine yeah clementine barnabet episode and uh clementine is regarded as uh america's first black female serial killer shout out to clementine (laughs) Uh, i don't know if that's appropriate but (laughs) it's probably not it's probably not but whatever yeah Uh, yeah so um i don't have any serial killer news Um, I don't have any serial killer news either. But it sounds like you might have a shout out or a recommendation. I do. I have a recommendation for a television show. Um, uh, I'm surprised that it's not like really popular because it's really good. (laughs) But everybody, everybody I talk to about it has not seen it. And I think the reason why is because it's on CBS All Access, which is a pay channel, Uh um, like streaming channel. Mm-hmm. So it's it's su- super cheap. <laughs> it's five dollars really? a month. Yeah, five dollars a month. Okay. Um. So the TV show is The Good Fight, which okay. is a spinoff from the TV show The Good Wife. Oh. And uh, yeah. Okay. Full disclosure. Okay. There are a lot of white ladies in this show. <laughs> oh boy. But it's but it is a show uh, about a mostly black law firm, and the writing is really good. And, really? uh, yeah, it's really good. And, um, it's only, like I said, it's only on CBS all access, which you have to pay for, but 
that also has the new Star Trek on it, which features a black woman as the lead character. So there's that. What? Yeah. On Star Trek? On Star Trek, yeah. The lead character. Oh, my gosh. And um, in the, The Good Fight, Kush Jumbo is in it, and she is really good. I'm not familiar with Kush Jumbo. She's an English actress. Uh, she pl- she plays an American. You cannot tell she's English. Her accent, her American accent is really good. Oh. But uh, yeah, she's a woman of color. Ooh, okay. So uh, I will have to I'll have to add that to my queue. Definitely, anyway. definitely add on CBS All Access. Like I said, it's super cheap. It's five dollars a month. You could pay for one month and watch all the episodes. I think there's two seasons on there right now. Okay. And uh, then, you know, unsubscribe. Hey, what's the name <laughs> of it again? The Good Fight. The Good Fight. Okay. Okay. I'm um like for real is going to check it out. So definitely do that. Oh, I wanted to. I just kidding. I do have a new podcast shout out. Oh, you do? Okay. I do. Okay. So um, this is a recommendation for a true crime podcast about people of color and by people of color and it is two dudes i'm looking on my phone right now because this is so uh, i just found this like friday oh um it is called where you at okay affirmative murder like get it affirmative action Ah. (laughs) and they changed their (laughs) name it used to be serial for serial so they used you know s-e-r-i-a-l and c-e-r-i-a-l oh okay and so they've been around for a little while it's two black dudes and they um talk about um true crime and their last episode was about uh this uh little black kid who um he uh was in Chicago and he was initiated by the uh, black disciples. They're this big old bad gang in Chicago. And to initiate him, they told him that he had to kill a bunch of people. The kid, um, he had a messed up life. He did it. Um, And then they just tell the tale about um, the aftermath. And they go into detail about how damaged the character was, this little boy. Um, they, They, I don't know. I, I I just started listening to it, but I had to just share that it's really good. What, stuff. What's it called again? It's called Affirmative Murder, like affirmative action. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's, it's Affirmative Murder, and it's two black guys, and they're pretty good storytellers, um, and they give insight um, that we probably haven't ever heard before. I've never heard a black dude talk about true crime yeah. um, anywhere, so it, I just think it's a fresh perspective and i really like it and recommend listening to it all right i just put it on my list okay cool all right um any other news i don't have any other news okay oh one thing i would like to announce to all of our um listeners is happy juneteenth everybody i hope i hope it was lit as fuck So, uh, let's continue diving into this stuff. Uh, We left off last week when Clementine gave her confession to a reporter. 
Um, this was on April 2nd, 1912, and the reporter was Mr. R.H. Broussard, uh, who was a reporter for the New Orleans Item. It's a fairly lengthy confession with a lot of detail, so we won't mm-hmm. read the whole thing, but we <laughs> will link it in our show notes so you can read it if you want to. But in it, she claimed that she and some acquaintances, two men and two women, met with a voodoo priest who sold them kanjas, and by that she meant hoodoos, and hoodoos, uh, can you explain what they are, Wendy? Um, hoodoos, uh, they, uh, so a hoodoo is a, a spell, so hoodoo is to cast a spell or bewitch someone or um, to uh, be enchanted. Um, so these so, were magical, ma- enchanted things. <laughs> yeah, like extra yeah. blessings so that they could extra get away blessings. with murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, what they're, they were supposed to do was give them the power to do as they pleased and not get caught. Mm-hmm. They hadn't thought to do any murders when they brought the hoodoos or when they bought the hoodoos, but while discussing what they might be able to do with them, they wondered if they could get away with murder. So they decided to try it and they drew uh, <laughs> lots and Clementine drew the first one. And so she was chosen to commit the first murder. She claims she went to rain dressed as a man and committed the first murders. She then returned to Lafayette and told her acquaintances what had happened. And they watched with interest to see if she would get caught when she was not, they decided that the hoodoos were working. Uh, She then told of how they had killed the family at Crawley, explaining every detail. She claimed that the children were killed so that they would not suffer as orphans. Oh, round of applause for Clementine. Thank you. (laughs) How nice. Yeah, how How nice of her. (laughs) (laughs) When she described the Andrews family murder, she claimed that she was near the house when the bodies were found, and she interjected herself into the drama. What a stating that she went to the parents' house to notify them of what happened and that she even helped to prepare the bodies for burial. Clementine was asked by the reporter if there had been any agreement made not to tell on one another, and she said that there had been such an agreement made, but she wanted to tell her own part of it so as to clear her conscience. Oh, she has one. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, theoretically. (laughs) She gave the names of her accomplices to police officers, but all of that information was proven as fabrications. Sheriff Lacoste and deputies uh, followed up every possible clue, uh, hoping to uh, completely solve the mystery of the murders. Clementine's confession was received with varying degrees of belief. Yeah, you're telling me. (laughs) It it was difficult to keep Clementine's story straight. Huh. Yes, she had previously testified in court that her father was the man behind the murders, but they kept happening after he was jailed. She gave names of her accomplices, but when Sheriff Lacoste investigated them, they went nowhere. Several arrests were made, but the search for the rest of the human <laughs> human five game. Human five game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah with the, with the human fives. Human five. Human with five. Human five. With the human five. I know. And then and then they, they're like throwing up gang signs, but it's yeah. just it's just jazz hands. <laughs> jazz hands. <laughs> with a human five. <laughs> uh, well, it was a dead end. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. The district attorney, Howard E. Bruner, theorized that some of these murders were copycat crimes, but he believed that Clementine was a moral pervert who was guilty of everything she confessed to. Um, by the way, Clementine admitted to caressing some of the corpses after she had killed them, regardless of their gender or age. Nice. Mm. So, April 4th, 1912, Clementine was indicted uh, by a grand jury. Uh, and then on April 5th, the next day, she told police that uh, jo- Joseph Thibodeau, uh, the voodoo doctor. Wait a minute. The Canadian prime minister? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Justin. Oh. Uh, he's, he's so, so dreamy. dreamy. So dreamy. <laughs> Those eyes. That hair. That body. I know. (laughs) No, this is Joseph. Joseph Thibodeau. (laughs) He is the voodoo doctor, not the prime minister of Canada. (laughs) He gave her the idea for the murders. This is terrible. I know. Okay, okay. uh, I'm going to try to be serious now. Uh, so and then she made a full confession to the police. The other confession was to a uh, reporter. So she made a full confession to the police admitting to 17 murders. Her motives for the crimes, however, have never been made clear. Yeah, I'm still kind of scratching my head about mm-hmm. that. I, um, <clears throat> I think the voodoo thing is uh, a kind of a, a lame excuse bullshit yeah it's bullshit yeah so on april 12 1912 in san antonio texas william bartone his wife and two children and his brother-in-law leon avers were found murdered the crime scene was similar to those in crowley lafayette and rain authorities believed it to be the work of the same killer or killers they began to note a geographical pattern to the crimes well Shout out to police work, right? Since (laughs) November 1911, authorities noticed that the killer or killers had been striking at stops along the Southern Pacific Railroad line. This made it simple for the axe murderer to anonymously travel from town to town, always out of sight and one step ahead of the authorities. In those days, it was fairly easy to hop on a freight train. I've seen it in movies. April 21st, 1912. Zephyrin Barnabet, uh, Clementine's brother, mm-hmm. uh, confessed that he and his father killed the Andrus family. He said that Clementine and a man named Ute Thomas, uh, Ute Thomas's son Darman, and another woman acted as accessories to the crime. Uh, Raymond Barnabet was rearrested and Ute Thomas and his son were arrested. Now, this part confused me a little bit. How come? Like, why why did Zephyrin uh, confess? Um, did they That's interesting. bring yeah. him in? And, like, was it uh, one of those things where they're, like, beating him until he was like, okay, okay, I did it, my dad did it, everybody did it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm not clear on exactly what happened here, but whoops. <laughs> Ooh, was that your wine glass? That was my wine glass against another <laughs> glass. It sounded like, oh, let's check some listener mail. 
Oh God, I just snorted. <laughs> so Keep yeah, I don't, in, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh, I, you know, I, I was kind of wondering the same, like why, why would he confess? All of a I mean, sudden he's like, April 21st, 2012, Zephyrin Barnabet confessed. <laughs> you yeah. know, like what? Where'd that come from? Yeah. Where did the <laughs> confession come from? Because, um, I, I just have to bring this up about false confessions that, mm-hmm. um, um, I, I, what comes to mind is there's this uh there was this police chief in Chicago and um from like the 70s to the 90s his police department was responsible for the torturing of specifically oh black dudes and they would take them to the train tracks in oh Chicago what are those cattle I think they're called cattle prods and oh, they would yeah. put them on black dudes' oh, gen- genitals and force them to Ugh. confess to crimes that they didn't commit. And the black dudes would just confess to get well, the yeah. get the torture yeah. over with. And it, you know what? It doesn't even have to be that much torture. People confess uh, because they're fucking tired. Yeah, it's like they've they're awake yeah. for twenty four. The police keep keep them up for twenty four hours. Yeah, they're tired and they're just like fuck it. I did it. Let me get out of here. Yeah, I just you know? want to go home. Yeah, I just want to go home. And I, 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 I it happens all it the happens time. Happens all the time. I mean, we saw make we all saw making. We all saw right? making the murder. You, you yeah. saw what happened to little Brandon. Come on, yeah, poor guy. <laughs> So, yeah, it happens, and I kind of wonder if that was the situation here, because, like, all of a sudden, he's like, Where he did confesses. this confession yeah. come from? Boom, yeah, I, he yeah. confesses. Yeah, I was, th- I was thinking the same thing. Um, later, on August 20th, 1912, in San Antonio, Texas, the Dashiell family was attacked. Miss Dashiell woke to the blinding pain of an axe cutting through her arm. The assailant had been aiming for her head, but had somehow missed and struck her arm instead. As Mrs. Dashiell began to scream, Mr. Dashiell awoke and fired a shot at the attacker. Yes! The attacker fled from the scene of the house, and Mrs. Dashiell was unable to give any sort of coherent description. But they survived. That, yeah, but Good they, for them. Yeah, they're alive. And with that, the 15-month murder spree came to an end. Now it's time for the trial. I wish we had time a line. I wish we had a line order sound effect. Oh well. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> so on October twenty fourth, nineteen twelve, uh, Clementine Barnabet was taken to trial. She was tried for the Randall murders only, um, probably because they that was the crime where they found the dress that had the blood and the brains on it and oh. they probably didn't have evidence for anybody else okay but anyway uh court records uh for her trial summarize were summarized and published by the federal writers project in 1942 and their account makes plain that there was a great deal of public confusion regarding the details of the case even at the time so even at the time, it was really confusing, and it's even more confusing now. Still confused. Still yeah. confusing. <laughs> For one thing, there was probably never a church of sacrifice, as the papers had said. Reverend Harris had preached in Lafayette the night of the Randall murders, but 
otherwise uninvolved. According to the Federal Writers Project, a state of confusion existed in the public mind regarding this sacrificed church, the existence of which has never been established, and Harris's The Sanctified Church. It's possible that the words sanctify and sanctified were confused with sacrifice after uh, the voodoo oh, cult Lord. rumors began to be spread and that the misinformation was spread from there. But the voodoo damage had already been done. The Lafayette population was willing enough to place the blame on a nebulous voodoo priestess committing murder while leading a sacrificial sect. It didn't help that Clementine had named a voodoo priest who had given the invisibility charm to her, Joseph Thibodeau, not Justin Trudeau. She (laughs) said that he also gave her the ideas for the crimes, but Thibodeau swore that had never happened and that far from being a voodoo priest, he simply engaged in root-based medicine. (laughs) One local paper explained to its readers that Thibodeau has ever been regarded as peaceful in disposition and harmless in intention and said he was noted for the practice of conjuring warts away. Hey! Yeah, well, I think a lot of of, um, people who uh, practice any kind of uh, unusual medicine or you know especially back then mm-hmm. um there was a lot of natural medicine kind of you know you use yeah. herbs and mm-hmm. you know whatever and people as uh christians uh think it's just satanic they're just like go automatically to satan just straight yeah. to satan it's straight let's you're look. using herbs you're like you're it on must, a it must be you're the on devil. the railroad exactly. to satan yeah it must be the devil and, and also i i have to point out too that if if this was a, a black community um that um the people in this community probably didn't have access to hospitals and health health care um like like they couldn't just go to the white hospital <laughs> like they would probably just die, bleed out in the waiting room and die so um so uh people like these witch doctors are probably very necessary in little communities yeah like and there are who... herbs that do help and mm-hmm. you know they they're not going to cure you of cancer but you know they do help and and some of our drugs are based on herbs and, yeah, and yeah, things totally. that yeah yeah So despite investigators' suspicions regarding Clementine's confession, the stories about her continued to circulate. While she sat in jail, she confessed to a total of 35 murders. But she kept retelling the story with different details that made it really hard to know what the truth was. In court, she allegedly said other families been marked for death and would pay the sacrifice. Um, let's see... Well, uh, I'm going to give a description of the trial from one account, and this is from um, the realcrimedaily.com. And uh, according to their article, the trial took place at the Lafayette Parish Courthouse. There was a sensational article written about the trial in the Ohio Mahoning Dispatch that recalled, with screams of hysterical laughter, the girl rocked back and forth in the witness chair, her great eyes rolling into the back of her head, barely any pupil showing. 
Amidst sharp commands from the court and quick questioning of the prosecutor, the woman told of how, because the Randall family had refused to obey the church orders, she had crept upon their cabin late on Sunday night with a keen-edged axe concealed in the folds of her cotton wrapper. She told of how, after she had thrown open the door of the tiny cabin, she crept upon the sleeping husband and wife, and before either could arouse, had split their skulls in twain. Maybe in two? With in, Well, in twain, I, th- I think that's probably what it said, but it's oh. like antiquated. Oh, oh, see, girl. I don't understand. I don't really understand these words. Twain. (laughs) With her death-dealing implement. She told how the four children on the floor started to cry out and how stealthy uh, tread she approached their trundle beds and swinging her axe killed two with one blow and then lay about her with quick swings hacking the bodies of the two remaining children until they were scattered in bits about the room. As she completed the awful tale, she rocked to and fro and then said, and judge, that ain't all either. So that, that what you just read, the the article, I think that has to be like yellow journalism. It has to be like not true. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> like just exaggerated because... Um, the the kids weren't hacked into pieces, as far as I know. Yeah, I hadn't seen that anywhere other than in that article. Right. But um, I also didn't see many accounts of details of what happened in the courtroom. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's why I... I um, oh, yeah. I mean, it, I'm, I, don't, I have no doubt that that's what the article said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they, they did like their... Uh, they liked their true crime back then, too. Isn't that a trip? Yeah. How even, even just they, the, they since did. the beginning of time, <laughs> true crime has yeah. captivated everybody. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Okay. okay. So anyway, uh, the, in that article, the girl continued to tell of how when a family by the name of Andrus, living in an isolated section of the parish near the Mississippi River, had refused to obey the message from God, supposed to be the utterings of a voodoo doctor... What? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I just See, got confused. The way these, the way these old people did, I mean, it's amazing we can get through this. I know. We'll okay. make it. We'll make it. Okay, I'm going to just start again. Okay. The girl continued of, to tell of how when a family by the name of Andrus, living in an isolated section of the parish near the Mississippi River, had refused to obey the message from God, supposed to be the utterings of a voodoo doctor who had been seen in this district. She, with other religiously crazed fanatics, went to the Andrus cabin in the dead of night and there, with axes, hacked the sleeping members, four in number, to pieces, Mm. ending their bloody orgy with weird prayers and incantations. I feel like I've seen an episode of this on that American Horror yeah, Story Yeah, American show. Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, on October 25th in 1912, her defense attorneys claimed that she was insane, but uh, she stood trial, was found guilty of the Randall murders, and she was sentenced to life at Louisiana Pen- Penitentiary. Oh, my God. Penitentiary. 
she went to prison at the age of 19 <laughs> in Louisiana. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so Clementine Barnabet was sentenced to life in prison at Angola State Penitentiary, with it, which is the Louisiana Penitentiary. Ooh, it's a bad one. <laughs> oh, I know. But even even now, it's I just heard I heard just awful things about that prison. Angola, yeah. Yeah. In July, uh, you know what? I've heard rotten things about Louisiana too. Anyway, <laughs> hot take alert, Beth. <laughs> In July of 1913, she tried to escape jail but was caught before she even made it to the gate. Despite her escape attempt, she was considered a model prisoner. She didn't, however, serve very long. According to one brief report about the prison, Clementine received a procedure, which we don't know what that was, yeah. um, that was said to have restored her to her normal condition and which allowed her to be released on good behavior after serving 10 years. In August 1923, Clementine Barnabet walked out of prison as, and was never seen or heard from again in the news, I suppose. Yeah. Somebody probably heard about her. Yeah, somebody <laughs> knew it. Yeah. But um, the procedure, um, I was wondering if it was a lobotomy. Yeah, I I wonder if that's what it was, too. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of... Uh, mental health medicine they were administering to people at the time but um yeah I don't remember uh exactly what time period it was but there was a time when uh lobotomies well they were experimental for a while and then they were like giving out lobotomies like medicine you know and that's um, where they um cut, cut out a part of your brain um they actually um they basically take an ice pick uh -huh. And stick it through your, not like your eye, but it's like through your eye socket and um, stick it into your brain and kind of wiggle it around. Okay. Okay. <laughs> do they still do those? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, what, what happens is uh, people um, become very docile. Mm -hmm. It uh, cuts a part of the brain that I'm not a scientist, so I don't know exactly, but it it um, it can cause you to like have very little emotion anymore. Oh, so like a lot of people who have lobotomies, they they don't feel much of anything anymore, and so if they have anger issues, then that kind of takes care of that. Oh well, uh. Yeah, I guess at least you don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, but um, they were doing it to, like, anybody who had emotional problems and, like, teenagers. And, you know, they thought it was a cure-all. And <sighs> what it did was turn these people into zombies. That's terrible. Well, I know. <laughs> well, thank goodness we've evolved in yes. the medical community. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. So, um, what about Clementine's story is real, and what is a media fabrication? The evidence found in her room and the brain matter on her clothes suggests that Clementine did commit some murders, um, but maybe not all of them. Dr. Jeff Anderson, a history professor at the University of Louisiana, Monroe, has said that either Clementine or someone in her house performed the majority of these murders but that her confessions are so contradictory. I don't think she committed all the murders that she said she did. The question of Barnabet's accomplices and whether or not they were a part of some kind of voodoo cult has never really been answered. But I have my... I'm pretty satisfied that that had something to do with it. That's just... Uh, Okay. There was so much confusion about what was really going on And the press did not help at all. Uh, The New York Times in March 1912 indicated that there was great fear in the black communities of the region. And there was. Mm -hmm. But in their article, they then focused on what the impact on the grain crops would be because of this fear. And discussed the possibility of a sacrifice cult and then spent some time exploring the belief that a cult had not been the initial cause of the killings, what but was a factor now. So get a load of the title of this uh, article. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> yeah. Extra, extra. Read all about it. <laughs> Negro terror may shorten rice crops. we don't care about these people dying what we care about is the rice yeah oh my gosh well yeah time and place i guess maybe yeah the sentiment of um you know i i'm sure that um i don't know economy is is everything money is everything in america and so like anything that's going to affect these crops i i can understand um, the white community's frustration, but hello, these are people. <laughs> oh, good grief. <sighs> the ignor- the ignorance of voodoo, hoodoo, and alternate religious customs added to the problem. Um, the crimes were not viewed as seriously as they might and uh, were clearly only a danger to the black population. No biggie, they're just Negroes. Religious crank uh, killing Negroes. Um, that was the headline in the Oklahoman 
um, February 20th, 1912. Golly, these publications and their greatest hits. I know. So <laughs> it, it, it was a spectacle, but, you know, the people were just like, oh, religious cranks are killing Negroes. Oh, well. Oh, when, well. Wonder what's going on with the rice crops. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, most likely, if Clementine's race or class had been different, we'd be closer to knowing the truth. Amen? That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Uh, strangely enough, there was more than one set of axe murderers ter- terrorizing Louisiana around the same time. What? Uh, yeah, nearby, the infamous axe man of New Orleans was at work. No, I and, did see that on American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah, and those killings have never been solved. And uh, several decades earlier, a killer sometimes called the Servant Girl Annihilator committed several axe murders in 1880s Austin, Texas. And those crimes have also never been solved. That's so nuts. I know. Um, maybe there's maybe there's a cold case file out there that somebody could, somebody could open up. Uh, as for the other players in the story, Clementine's family and supposed accomplices, we couldn't find much information about uh, what happened to them. Sorry. We do know that Raymond Barnabet was arrested, tried, and convicted. Um, we don't know what happened af- uh, after that. Um, Zephyrin Barnabet, the brother, was arrested, but we are not sure what his fate was. And Ute or Uti and Darman Thomas were arrested after Zephyrin's confession, but what happened to them, we just don't know. So, uh, what made Clementine snap? Yeah, the easy answer is we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) When she was 17, she allegedly joined a cult called the Church of Sacrifice, which prompted the start of the murders that she committed. But some people say that the church never actually existed. However, she claimed that a priestess of the Church of Sacrifice had given her and her accomplices conjure bags that would grant them supernatural powers and make them undetectable to the authorities. She claimed that this spurred her into committing her first murder to test whether or not this was true. The killer seemed to target people of mixed race and notably a number of white women who were either married to or in relationships with black men. According to some, the motive for the killings revolved around a verse from the New Testament Matthew 3.10, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. But uh, given the lack of real information that we have about Clementine, we will probably never know. Too bad. So, uh, what's, what's your takeaway, Beth? Uh, Well, this was a super confusing story (laughs) with lots of misinformation or confusing information. It's hard to know exactly what happened, what's true, what's not true. I think a lot of these murders were actually committed by someone else. Um, The Axeman of New Orleans, for example. Uh, He was never identified, he or she, (laughs) 
<laughs> given the story. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, someone else entirely who literally got away with murder, murder unscathed. Yeah. Um, these axe murders were all happening around the same time. And they kept happening even after Clementine was in jail. Oh. Um, it's weird that all the murders are so similar. Mm-hmm. Whole families annihilated with an axe. Um, that tends to make you think that they were done by the same person or persons. Yeah. And I would actually tend to think that she didn't do any of them except for the blood evidence that was found in her home. And also, during the course of my research, I learned that the choice of an axe as a murder weapon was actually not all that uncommon at the time. In those days, an axe was often used, especially in cases of domestic murder, because nearly every family had one, since wood had to be split for cooking and heating, and so it often became a weapon of convenience. Wait a minute, Beth. You don't think she did any of them? Um, I I mean, the blood evidence suggests that she did. But um if not for that, I I would tend to think she didn't. Yeah. Interesting. Because I think um she she got kind of a kick out of the notoriety. Oh, so I'm not sure that she, she might have done some of them and, and the blood evidence suggests that she did, Mm -hmm. um, or her father did them and she got blood on her dress from her father or something. Mm -hmm. But I think she enjoyed the notoriety. I mean, she was nobody and all of a sudden she's getting all this attention so yeah, but not, I don't know. Not good attention. <laughs> no, but some people um, like any any kind of attention, especially um, she did not have a very good uh, reputation, family life. Yeah, and upbringing. I uh-huh. mean, it sounded like she didn't. Her home life was not that great, and she was kind of abused. And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people. Uh, with upbringings like that, uh, will take any attention that they can get. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay. So, yeah, I just think it's so hard to tell what happened just because it was so long ago and all the information is so confusing. I have no idea. Yeah, I... I, Okay, let me tell you what I thought. When I I first read this story, I was like, man, is there like a Axe Costco (laughs) around? Because so... An axe and everyone, like everybody has an axe, but yeah, it makes sense um, when you look at the time and the place. Um, I am pleasantly surprised at how uh, the police eventually uh, actually investigated the crimes, but we found out from those hot take headlines that it was because of the money that um, could have been lost. But um, <laughs> but these were crimes um, and the victims were people of color and communities of color. And um, I, I was um, surprised pleasantly that uh, the police didn't just seem to try to pin the murder on the uh, or the murders on the first black person that they came across. Um, there was an investigation and a trial and all that sounds like it's in line with you know, our justice system. So it's, it's on paper, it's fair. Um, 
Clementine got a trial and so did her dad. Um, but uh, one thing to point out is that their jury, their juror, the juries were probably not made of made up of their peers. Um, they're black as black people were not allowed to serve on juries or testify right. against white people. Um, also, they weren't allowed to testify against uh, white people. I. Uh, OK, so let me let me preface this. Uh, I did not confirm that but that was my understanding is that uh black people could not testify against white people at the time um i have no idea when that changed maybe it was around this time i don't know but i do know that that was a thing in our justice system at one point um let's see where was i oh okay also at the top of my mind is that um and i don't know how how this exactly plays into the story, but the Emancipation Proclamation was established ending slavery uh, just 44 years prior. So that's not, um, life Life in the South was, um, for lack of a stronger word, difficult in so many ways for these quote unquote free black people. And I suspect that um, black people were consistently on their guard and, um, you know, you could suffer um, violence at the hands of um, dangerous white people or get popped for a crime you didn't commit. So um, also, uh, I thought um, if she is the first known black female serial killer, why is there a movie about her yet? Yeah, yeah, that could be a pretty good movie about her. Yeah, for sure. Come I mean, through, the, all Taraji P. Henson. Crazy <laughs> details, voodoo and whatnot. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I think I, this could be our next Black Panther. Um, <laughs> I, I just wish there was more information out there about the victims and the and and her and yeah, the story. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I wish, it, I was wish it wasn't so confusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and that's all I got. All right. Um, so... Uh, I think it's tip time. If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. (laughs) Okay, so one thing I do is, um, now we're not going to talk about the baseline rapist, or not the baseline rapist, the uh, East Area Rapist, um, because he's white. But one of the women I heard interviewed said, he got into her house after her husband backed the car out of the driveway and he slipped in through the garage. Oh, he, yeah. Her husband didn't make sure it was closed. Right. So um, I uh, get in the car and um, I have my hand on the ignition as I open the garage. And I always make sure when I back out that it's closed all the way before I drive away. Um, That's a good idea. And when I'm, if I am walking out of the garage to like, I don't know, check the mail or something, I, I, as soon as I, I open it, like I bend down to see if there's anybody there. Um, so I think that garage doors, um, I think we feel safe and secure because they're big and they close automatically and they're, you know, but um, I think it's an easy way for, um, people to get in and out of yeah. your home if you're not careful yeah and actually um i don't i don't know i i have an old house so um the garage door is old mm-hmm. and you can uh push it open oh shit <laughs> yeah you can actually uh push it open if you wanted to so 
I I always make sure that the inner door is locked. Yes. Yes. Just in case. Just in case. Just in case. And uh, so I have neighbors who uh, like open their garage door and they just forget to close it, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> do you Do you text them or tell? Uh, them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, but um, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't bother me because yeah. you know it's not it's not my. It's not my house. My house, (laughs) right? But then I just worry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, all it takes, all I mean, it's so easy to slip in and out of somebody's garage. My neighbor, he was working on his garage and had it open for maybe five minutes. Like he forgot something and ran inside. Somebody stole all his tools in that five minutes. Holy crap! Yeah. Um, I mean, so it just it, it is. And, and meanwhile, over here uh, across, next door at my house, there have been times where I've fallen asleep with the garage door opener in my pocket. And as I'm sleeping, the garage opens oh, up no. and thank goodness nothing was ever taken. Yeah, we were OK. But that's just the thing. I, I wasn't as into true crime back then, so I wasn't as careful as I am now. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, good tip. Good tip. I like it. Thank you. So um, so that kind of wraps up our story, our takeaways. And now we just want to give a chance to say thank you to people who have been listening to our show. So, so uh, we got some feedback from a listener named Claire, uh, who is really enjoying the podcast. She gave us some constructive criticism as well, which I really appreciate because, Yay. well, this is our first podcast. So we're just learning the ropes. Um. So, you know, if you guys want to give us some uh, constructive criticism, that'd be great. Anyway, uh, Clara likes our music, and I wanted to let you Mm -hmm. all know that you can find the music notes in our footnotes on each episode. Uh, And the intro music is by Alassan, Mm -hmm. and it's called Abyss. Claire asked why we called our podcast Fruit Loops. Uh, well, as you probably know, the word Fruit Loop is common vernacular for someone who is, well, a bit off. <laughs> but also, uh, our name is a play on the word cereal. Cereal killers versus cereal like the breakfast food, so Fruit Loops. <laughs> and I have to give props to Wendy, hey. who thought up the name. And as soon as she suggested it to me, I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> we didn't have any other discussions no that was it (laughs) claire also asked what the basis is of our fascination with serial killers and for me i have always been fascinated with uh the psychology um not just serial killers but crime in general i'm not really sure why but i think maybe uh it scares me (laughs) because i don't (laughs) understand it (laughs) it's also weird (laughs) (laughs) So I study it in order to understand it, and uh, somehow that makes me feel safer. I have come to the realization over the years that I will never really understand it, but it still fascinates me. And uh, because I have been fascinated with psychology, I feel like that's part of the reason why um, I'm, I'm pretty good at sizing people up, although I don't always get it 100%. And the people who really fascinate me are the ones who fool me. <laughs> so, Wendy, uh, what's what's your uh, basis of your fascination? 
Okay, well, I feel like I will probably get um, a couple hate mails about this, but <laughs> in all honesty, it's another, it's the reason why I love intervention. Like, uh, no matter how terrible my life gets, at least I didn't get murdered today. So yeah, that's... <laughs> That's why I, that's why I love it. So, um, and I, and I also think it's fascinating, the psychology of it, I uh, think is really interesting. Um, and then um, I don't know why, but I, um, I've always loved blood and guts. It's just my thing. So I yeah. really, like, I really like the gory details. Um, and so that's always, it's just really interesting to me. Sorry, just clicks in my brain. <laughs> so that's it. For whatever reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, I also wanted to say that Claire uh, likes how we present a lot of info, but still keep it interesting. And that's what we're hoping to do. Um, she also yeah, said that we sure. we got our point across about the need to be cautious because it is crazy out there. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Claire. And if you yes, or anyone you. else have more constructive criticism, we'd be happy to hear it. That's right. We are learning and growing, trying to be our best sexy selves every goddamn day. We got um, some Twitter love from a couple of uh, other true crime podcasters that I did um, want to um, highlight. They are um, specifically POC podcasters, so people of color, true crime podcasters. Um, and um, by the way, uh, before we started this show, I had heard in other podcasts how the true crime podcast community was like this lovey-dovey, everybody looking out for each other, uplifting each other. And it turns out I'm finding that to be true. Um, from the dudes at Affirmative Murder, I know, totally, at Affirmative Murder podcast, um, they have a great show. It's about true crime and they tell each other the true crime stories. It's kind of like a show that rhymes with sly, <laughs> slaver it, slurder. But um, with dudes? <laughs> They, but it's two black dudes doing it. Yeah. Uh, they said, hi, you gals have a lot of charisma. Keep doing y'all thing. And y'all are fun to listen to with a black <laughs> thumbs up. Amen. So thank you guys. And then um, there's the true crime podcast, criminal musings podcast. He um, shouted us out on Twitter, but he also did us. Uh, he slid into our DMS and uh, he um, said he was happy to see a new person of color led um podcast and he gave us some really helpful tips of, uh, about first things for us to think about being a new show yeah that's awesome um, and so we thank you so much um criminal musings podcast and affirmative murder pod so where can uh they find us they can find us at our website which is fruitloopspod.com mm-hmm. and our facebook uh we have a page uh, Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color and uh, Fruit Loops Pod Discussion. Yeah, we so we'll have links um, to the sources that we talk about on our footnotes on the um, on the website, and you can find us on all of the things, all the social media things. Um, Twitter, well, Twitter and instagram sorry i just (laughs) and facebook we're fruit loops pod on on across all all platforms we don't do snapchat we are too old for that yeah so we don't don't understand (laughs) i'm not interested in your snapchatting (laughs) snapchat you um so thank you so much for listening now look alive guys it's crazy out here in these streets 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.